Star City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Hornets and Heartbreak Podcast. My name is Mark Bernacki and I'm here with my co-host, Tim Rogers. What's up, Tim? What do you do, Liquor Mark? I'm doing pretty well, man. So I've now tested negative for COVID, but uh, the raspy voice is still still around. So uh, y'all listeners are going to be able to hear that. Uh, maybe it'll, maybe it's just here to stay, Tim. I'm not really sure. Oh, that honestly be kind of cool. <laughs> you know, record a blues album. Yeah. Yeah, I might hit I might hit karaoke pretty soon and just sing like something real low pitch. Mm. Yep. Uh all right, but we got breaking news today, Tim. Uh Miles Bridges finally like reached a conclusion in court. Um he pleaded a no contest in the domestic violence case uh in California, whereas uh the two additional felony charges of child abuse uh have been dismissed. So Bridges is going to have probation, 52 weeks of domestic violence counseling, 52 weeks of parenting classes, 100 hours of community service, weekly narcotics testing. He's not allowed to own any guns, ammunition, or dangerous weapons, paying $800 in restitution and domestic violence uh, fees, has to stay at least 100 yards away from his former partner for 10 years, and visitation for the child must be done peacefully through a neutral third party. Um, so he's not going to jail, Tim. Uh, that is quite the extensive list of things for Miles Bridges. Um, and we finally have reached a conclusion point 
um, for his, you know, many, many court dates, which got pushed back. Uh, what were your reactions to this, Tim? Um, you know, like I understand how the legal system works. Uh, you know, I get it. I didn't expect for him to be like going to jail and, uh, don't really want, you know, anyone to go to jail slash prison. Uh, not a good place, not a good system. But, uh, yeah, it seemed, seemed a little light to me. Uh, you know, I think everyone deserves second chances. That'd be a good thing. But like $800, that's like what I pay. Like maybe I'm like two years behind on my car tags. That's what I'll be paying on my taxes pretty much. It's kind of light. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I mean, we're, we're, uh, basketball experts. We're not like the morality police here. Um, I would say, I would say I agree with you though, Tim. Um, it's, it's definitely a little light. Um, and I, I, I'm not an expert in the legal system either, but it just, it does seem a little, a little bit light. Uh, the next, the next thing to, to talk about with Miles is what's, what's going to happen next. Um, you know, an NBA team, possibly the Hornets is probably going to be signing him shortly. And when that happens, the NBA will then institute a suspension uh, upon Miles Bridges of some number of games. Uh, either, like in the past, like 25 games would be normal. But I was thinking about it. No, and, like, 20, 25 games would be would be like pretty heavy based think? on prior. Yeah, I mean, based on uh, Lance Stevenson, uh, Darren Collinson, they both had, you know, I mean, it wasn't as drastic, but yeah, they got like 10 games and eight games, I believe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so 25 games would be a little bit on the heavier end. Um, somewhere, somewhere in between, I think like 10 to 25 is probably the expected range. But I, I was thinking about it with like all of the issues going on in the NBA right now. The NBA is kind of in a little bit of scrutiny, uh, because of the Kyrie thing. And like Kyrie just got that suspension, uh, right before we started this podcast. But, um, you know, Kyrie with his anti Semitism, um, you know, promotion, whatever you want to call it. And then also just email Doka immediately getting a new job after whatever happened with him. So like I could see Miles Bridges uh getting a hefty, a hefty suspension. Um, just because the NBA kind of has been under scrutiny of not being not being hard enough on these sort of issues. I mean, I don't know how to how to describe it, other than I think they all fall under the blanket of like terrible behavior. Yeah, and I would say uh, it's kind of hard to parse out. Um, first of all, we're not the morality police, but uh, Kyrie Irving, a super idiot. Yeah, um, yeah. a pseudo, a pseudo intellectual. Everyone knows someone like that. They're like not that anti-Semitic, but like, oh, their third eye is open. He's a total moron. Um, yeah. Pretty much everything he says is wrong. Uh, so yeah, Kyrie Irving, he sucks. If we were still doing F your rookie, we'll just turn it into F Kyrie. Um, that dude sucks. And Ime Adoka, yeah, a little dice here. But yeah, I mean, Miles Bridges, they could make an example out of him. It'd be interesting. But at the same time, he might still come out on top. People will say, oh, he cost himself $130 million. But if he gets suspended for, let's say, even 50 games this season, which I doubt will happen. Um, but it's like, if he plays well next season, then the cap is going to skyrocket and he'll sign like a $200 million deal. And he'll still come out ahead. Uh, so yeah, I mean, not, you know, no one should cry tears for Miles Bridges losing a little bit of money. It might still work out for him, and that sucks. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that's actually a very good point by you. I didn't think about it like that. Like, I was just, you know, thinking he was missing out on that money. But um, I think, like you said, you know, a year from now, the the new media deal could kick in and Miles Bridges could make even more money. It could somehow uh, end up making him more money, which which would be wild. Um, Yes, we got to wait and see. Uh, It's yet to be determined. The Hornets have not made their move yet. I'd imagine we'll hear about that pretty soon. Um, like the next week, I would say, about what's going to happen with Miles Bridges, um, and if he's coming, you know, back to the Hornets or to a different team, it's the Hornets. It's the Hornets' move. You know, I play chess, Tim. It's the Hornets' move. The clock is ticking. It is. It is the Hornets' move. And yeah, we've never really seen a, you know, restricted free agency like this before. At least, not to my knowledge. You know, normally, like it used to go like deep into like October with like Eric Bledsoe and like Nikola Pekovic way back in the day. But this is obviously a very different circumstance. And uh, yeah, I'd be pretty surprised what uh, what happened. I know Mitch Kupchak has pretty much just said, we'll wait and see what goes down. But uh, yeah, morbid curiosity. Wonder what's going to happen with that. Yeah, I mean, it's just guessing. But I would have to say that I think he probably will be signed by the Hornets. Like, Two players in interviews have said that they hope Miles is back. Lamella Ball and I think Terry Rozier um, have both said that previously. So, I mean, they don't make the decisions, obviously, but that makes me think that it's like more likely than not that he's going to be, he's going to be back on the Hornets. Uh, and then a suspension will happen, but that is just conjecture. I'm not, I'm not plugged in like that. So I don't really know, but that's my, that's my educated guess. Yeah, and um, I'm going to assume, you know, this is also conjecture, that uh, LaMelo Ball probably has more pool in the Hornets organization than I do, but um, really have no interest in Miles Bridges being back on the Hornets. Um, people talk about, oh, well, you lose an asset for nothing. Like, I don't really care. I don't want to watch him. I don't really, I don't think he's a good person. And uh, yeah, I mean, he can go have success somewhere else. I don't think that, again... He should be blackballed from the NBA. I personally just don't want to watch him on my favorite team. It's what I do after work to unwind, and I just don't don't really want him around in my life. You know, for a total of six days a year, which is how much time it takes to watch every single Hornet game. Yeah, yeah, very, very fair enough, Tim. Um, yeah, I would say I would say I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, okay, let's let's move on. Um, well, it, we're just taking the wait and see before we talk about that more. Because anything else we say, we'll just be guessing. Um, let's talk about the Bulls game. Horrible game. Horrific game. Um, not, I do not enjoy watching that game for like more than like 20 minutes. Uh, the Bulls were just like hitting a lot of threes. Um, and the Hornets were not. Gordon Hayward got hurt in the first half and then did not return in the second half. It seems like it's a minor injury. But that was enough for our offense to just completely sputter. And, yeah, I don't think there were really any highlights. Like, normally in a loss, there's, like, one player who shows flashes and does well. I don't think anybody did very well last night. Um, No, I would say that Gordon Hayward is a big winner because he at least got to leave the game early. Uh, I had to watch the entire thing. That was a bummer. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, when you watch – I was excited. That, I will say, uh, honestly, it was my first time really watching Patrick Williams – who's a Charlotte native. And I was like, oh, I kind of see the hype a little bit. You know, I know he went two of two from three against us. Doubt he does that all the time. 
I will say watching uh, Javante Green just hit three threes after I think he had like one total in the season. And Eric Collins was like, oh, come on. And then Derek Jones Jr. hits two threes. I was like, well, you know, it's the second quarter. It's not our night. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And we are now one and four in the last five. Um, The Warriors game was sick. The Knicks and Kings games were close. But we have now two complete duds on our on our like record. I would say the Pelicans game was not a dud, but the Magic game and this game were just complete duds. Uh did like did not show up with any chance of competing on either of those two nights. So it has me, you know, we were pretty upbeat, I would say, on the last podcast, but now I'm I'm back down, back down to earth a little bit with this Hornets team. Three and five. I mean, I'm not gonna go like all the way, I'm not gonna overreact, but it just it just kind of it was like nice reality check. Like, all right, this this run of our bench players playing well and us beating the Warriors, that's not going to last for a very long time. We need Lamella Ball and Terry Rozier back ASAP. Yeah, a cold dose of reality is absolutely the case. Um, last night we scored 88 points. 26 of those points came in transition, which means, you know, for about 45 minutes of the game, we scored 62 points in the half court which would be bad if this was like a college basketball team. Like if we were playing uh, Syracuse with their zone. It was brutal. No one really stood out. Jalen McDaniels, um, who's had like a very good season. Yeah, not not a great game though. As soon as Gordon went out, he was definitely ready to get his shots. Yeah, I guess Kelly Oubre was like the, the one highlight. Kelly had a pretty good game. Um, Dennis Smith Jr., I thought he played pretty well. We're going to talk more about him in a little bit with uh, with a special guest, but like I thought he was just a little bit too passive. Also, like it was like, all right, we need him to step up, but we're asking we're asking too much from him. Like that's not really his fault. It's just like we need we need better players back. We need we know. Yeah, it's just back. yeah, it's just yeah. Reality of the NBA. It's like you're kind of a bench player for a reason. You bounced around. I would say you know if I were to. Like if someone were to just wake up, not seeing the game, and check the box score, and the first, you know, the the Bulls are shown first on ESPN, you'd be like, "Whoa, man, we held Zach Levine, Demar Derozan, and Nikola Vukovic to eleven of forty three shooting. He must have kicked their ass." No, that was yeah. not the case. Yeah, the, uh, the Bulls, like they played four players off the bench for the most part of the game. Uh, Javante Green. Alex Caruso, two of the guys I don't have the list up right now. Goran Dragic? Oh, Goran Dragic, yeah. My man from Phoenix, which that's, I think I was in middle school when he was really popping off. So that's how long ago it's been. But oh yeah, they went 8 of 11 from 3, and we went, I think, 7 of 31 or 7 of 29. So certain times to make or miss league. I don't think our defensive intensity was, was very good. Uh, we were kind of just daring those shooters to shoot. And uh, that that did not pay off. And you can't really do that type of James Brego Ole defense when you're missing your top three guards. Yeah, I mean the biggest the biggest problem was the offense for sure last night. And uh, I guess let's get into it, Tim, because uh, Lamelo and Terry are out, and that means that Book Knight and Maladon are playing more. And I think I think those minutes are what what just like absolutely killed us last night. Um, Book Knight had like a relatively decent game with seven points. Maladon was 
brutal. Not all was brutal. Minus 18. All right. Three turnovers, zero points in 15, basically 16 minutes. Um, I mean, book night, book night was not great either. I'm not gonna, not gonna front, but yeah, those are the minutes I think that are, are really putting the horns behind. And Dennis Smith Jr. has been great, but you know, we need, we need other players to fill in when he's not, not in the game. Uh, and those, two, those two have not, have not let up, uh, lived up to the burden of that. No, they're completely incapable. And you know, we're in dark times. We're like, Oh, he had a pretty decent game. He had seven points. <laughs> it was like, that would have been, that would have been like a cool stat line before the shot clock era. I'm like, Whoa, seven points. Yeah. They're only 16 points. That was pretty good. <laughs> nah, it's terrible. Yeah. All right. I was saying that. I think you hit two threes. Um, and and let's get into this again, Tim. So I think I think Teo Maladon. Um, he's got a lot of he's got a decent amount of hype on Hornets Twitter. He had the one game where he had 15 points and it was six or seven against the Knicks. Outside of that, uh, have not enjoyed watching him play basketball uh, on this team. And we won't have to very soon. Once the other players are back, you will be getting very limited run. But he has not really impressed me. Um, and last night was like the peak of that of that frustration for me. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and be like, wow, man, I really – I think that he might get some more playing time once Lamelo gets back. Yeah, he's not very enjoyable. But it's like, you know, he is what he is. He's pretty much an injury fill-in. Uh, he's a flyer that was taken. It's like you take flyers sometimes, and sometimes they're Dennis Smith Jr., and sometimes they're Teo Maldon. Very, very insightful. Yeah, I mean, you have to you have to get like somebody off the scrap heap, and uh, we got two of them, and one of them one of them has worked out very well. One of them has has not, at least in my opinion. Um, in Teo Maldon. <laughs> so let's let's get into this. I made one offhand comment the other day praising Teo Maldon, and it turned into like a twenty minute. Just debate. I mean, we debated so, on the last episode too. Uh, let's let's get into it. Who's got more upside, Tim? Are you going to change your opinion? I think for the very fact that we're having this conversation and it's even a discussion, you've already lost the argument. You said that last time. It's it's uh it's. I know that Book Knight was drafted eleventh. The ex- expectations for Book Knight are obviously way higher, but he still has more of a future in the league than Maldon. Yeah, because his contract runs longer. Other than that, he's going to be in the Shanghai Sharks, dude. He sucks. All right. Um, so, yeah. all right. What do you say? It's like, no, I'm just laughing. You're like, I don't want to have to edit, dude. Please stop. <laughs> that is what I'm thinking. <laughs> Shanghai Sharks. That's a good one. That's a good good call. Did you see those highlights of uh, Taco Fall, by the way, playing in China? Oh, my God. Yeah, dude, that was awesome. Yeah, love to see it for our guy Taco. I think I think that's enough on uh on Book Night and Maladon. Okay, Gordon Hayward out. Um, that just adds to the list of injury troubles for the Hornets at the start of the season. It's pretty wild. Like last year, I think we had pretty good injury luck. This year, we're having so far terrible injury luck with three of our four best players, maybe our top three players being out. Um, yeah. What what do you think about that? For the Hornets, Tim, we're three and five. Do you think we should uh, continue losing for Victor Wembanyama? <laughs> um, I don't think we'll have to try that much. 
I think we're just, uh, we're naturally gifted in the art of losing, but I guess we're also naturally gifted in just like getting the 11th pick as we always joke about. Um, yeah, it's like, even once our guys come back, I don't know. The NBA is just so good. Like every single team, like we could lose to the jazz. Like, you know, we're playing the Grizzlies and the Nets, our next two games. Those could be two wins, two losses. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, even if we finish, you know, defeated the rest of the year, we're still going to get like the fifth pick. (laughs) Yeah. Even if we lost out, uh, let me, let me turn that question around. Uh, Michael on Instagram asks if PJ steps into Bridges role from last year, is this a playoff team? Um, still no, I would say, I think they're, I think they're different players, but again, I am. Even last night where PJ had a rough game, definitely lost his confidence early on and uh, wasn't feeling good about the shot, it looked like. But, yeah, I mean, he's a different player than Bridges, but now that he can actually dribble the ball, I'm pretty optimistic about his future. And I just say, you know, even if we end up with the 11th pick next year, that'll be another good player. I think the cup check has earned the benefit of the doubt with drafting outside of one draft with two unnamed players. Um yeah, I'm still excited about the future of the team. Like, I mean, I don't think that we have to start, you know, doing the, like, is Melo going to leave worrying thing? It's like, there are trades to be made. I think that, you know, we still have a solid roster. And yeah, PJ is a great, great addition. Yeah, I think the answer is we're still, like, right in the middle of the league. Or, I like, think, if right. anything, the, the real question is, like, if PJ continues, like, this progression, how big of a contract is he going to get? Oh, that is a good question. I haven't even thought about that yet. Should have signed him this past offseason. We didn't do it again, did we? Oh, no. Yeah, we did the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I am uh, very excited to see LaMelo ball play. Uh, I know last episode we joked about Dennis Smith Jr. You know, being exciting and not, not wanting to see his minutes go down. But LaMelo ball, you know, he's yet to make a season de- debut. And he could be way better than he was last year, in which case I think this team would make the playoffs if Lamelo Ball is playing what? substantially better than last year. Yeah, like we know kind of what Lamelo is, but like what if Teo Maladon takes that next step? <laughs> All right, man. Uh, let's take a break <laughs> and let's hear from uh, our expert on Dennis Smith Jr. The NFL's opening week was action-packed and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see show notes for details. All right, Tim, we are joined by a big Dennis Smith Jr. fan, Alex Ruby. This man owns... Three, two, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Three in a week and a half. All right, so he's got another one on the way. Uh, the biggest Dennis Smith Jr. fan I know, and my close friend, former roommate, 
What's up, Alex? How's it going, Mark? Nice to see you. What's up, Tim? Love your content. <laughs> I appreciate it. The real question is, you call yourself a real Dennis Smith Jr. fan, but you didn't pay for the express shipping. <laughs> so you make a good you make a good counterpoint times are hard inflation <laughs> all right alex how'd you get started uh with being a fan of dennis smith jr what what caused you to you know be a be a fan of his in uh 2016 yes yeah, yeah. so yeah so it was a uh, freshman year of college and, you know, I went to state just like you, Mark, and we were supposed to get him and Bam Abadayo because they're from the same town. So the hype was was insane. It was like, oh, God, we're going to get the two best players in the class. We're going to win the Natty. We're the new UK. Mark Godfrey knows God. what he's doing. We are good to go. Then Bam goes to UK and it's like, OK, well. Quick NC State audible. Been an NC State fan my whole life, so I know how to do these quick adjustments. And I was like, "You seen this guy? You seen how he dunks? You seen how he shoots in high school? You seen? I mean, just he can do everything. We don't even need anyone else, and we are good to go. We're going to win the ACC. We'll be a good tournament team." And before he ever even came close to stepping on the court, I was like, "I am in love with this guy. We're <laughs> the same age. We could be brothers. Like what? What? Like?" What more would you want from a guy than that? So that's how it started. Cool. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a very good description. I remember I remember this time like vaguely of how how obsessed you were with Dennis Smith Jr. and how you thought that the Wolfpack were gonna like do very well in uh, that season. Yeah. Which yeah. you know uh, to go back at you, Tim, when you said that you knew DSJ was trash in college. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to put that on roster construction and Mark Godfrey being the worst coach ever. And also, we'll get into this more, but it was the start of just the DSJ awful habit train was NC State. So he definitely should have gone somewhere else, but I'm so grateful that he did not because he's the love of my life basketball-wise. <laughs> Player-driven league. Some guys like LeBron, I'm a DSJ guy. I love That's- this. That's that's fair. I mean, some people like Dogecoin. I understand. You know, we're, <laughs> we're all we're out of that. I will say, I remember being, at, you know, we're the same age, and uh, I had a bunch of buddies that went to state, and I just remember getting these Snapchats one night. I was like, why is everyone like from state blowing it up? And it was just a party where they set up, you know, a ten foot goal. And the party was just surrounded by Dennis Smith Jr. just doing windmills, like yeah, posterizing people. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was like, you know, man, maybe I should have gone to college. I was like, yeah, <laughs> was cool. Yeah, I and J. Cole would come to the games, like a bunch of people that he, I and the fanfare was off the charts. I was like, none of you know I'm like, I do. Never met the guy in my life, but none of you know I'm like, I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so he goes to Dallas, and uh, he has like a decent rookie year, I would say. Um, I mean, I'm, I've got the stats pulled up, 18.4 points. That sounds pretty good. Combined with three and a half turnovers, though, not the greatest. Um, that first year, maybe maybe struggling a little bit, but you think, like, he's going to continue to be a part of the Dallas score. At least I, I did. But then Luka Doncic arrives, right? Uh, and that tale very quickly changes. So, Alex, what, what are your – I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it from somebody who watched probably, like, three Dallas games that year. What were your impressions of, like, Dennis Smith Jr. right when he got in the league? 
Yeah. I mean, when he got in the league, I was like, well, he's raw. Well, first, the Knicks passed on him. They were the pick before him, and they took Frank. And this was just a fun, quick side story. This was very early into me dating my girlfriend, now of five years. And I'm sitting at the table, and we're at, and I'm like, hey, so the draft's going on right now. I can see it over your shoulder. And if the Knicks do something that I think the Knicks might do, it's going to, like, ruin the rest of my night. (laughs) And, uh... That thing came to fruition. The Knicks passed on DSJ for Frank, and that just broke my heart. So obviously I was watching him in Dallas, and I'm just like, screw the Knicks, screw this franchise. Like, he's going to take it to the top. And I mean, yeah, like you said, uh, you made a good point there. And Tim, when you talked about him working with Carlisle and the kind of guards that Carlisle had worked with before, it just it, – it wasn't great. It was inefficient. It was a continuation of what he'd done at State of just – he put up 15 shots a game. as just – it wasn't really that good on either end of the ball, which he'd shown some defensive improvement throughout his career. He, he was all right on defense, honestly, but it just wasn't wasn't pretty. It was – the continuation and the professional star of lots of shots, lots of misses and that assist to turnover ratio. I'll, I'll probably touch on it later. I mean, just geez, Louise, you're averaging three turnovers a game and not even six assists. It, it was, it wasn't great. It wasn't great size, but you know, rookie year, we brush it off. We move on. He's good to go. Yeah. I'm, I'm imagining percent. On, on on field goals that year, so I didn't felt like forty two. Yeah, it felt like forty. It felt like forty two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm from, from I'm just I'm imagining Alex being like, "Oh man, we traded for Chris Apps. Let's go." Hopefully, they got that Luca guy out of town. Dude, we got to make room for DSJ. They're really coming on. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right. Uh, so then he gets traded to the Knicks. Your team. Yeah. Uh, First of all, describe your emotions when that happened. And then, two, take us through the next season and a half. Mm. Yeah. So, that was the Kristaps trade. And the whole Kristaps thing is uh, meant for a Knicks and Heartbreak podcast because that whole saga is insane. But they traded him. At that point, we kind of knew it was coming, but it was sort of out of the blue. I saw the trade and I'm like, okay, we just traded with the Mavericks. It's got to be DSJ. Even though with the roster construction, it made no sense. There was no reason the Knicks should have taken him on. There was no, literally no reason. Mm-hmm. But they did. So I was like, trade's a win. Trade's a win. I don't care. You can give him the, the picks back. We'll just do a one for one. We're good to go. <laughs> he gets on to the Knicks and that was Fizdale team. That was Fizdale's last full year. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, he, comes, <laughs> he comes to the Knicks, and he's getting full-bore run. He's getting, like, 30-plus minutes a game. And then the inefficiency turned up in terms of turnovers to assists. The shot-making uh, technically increased, but it was still really bad. And, honestly, that was – that whole Knicks tenure was really, I think, what got him the stigma that got him almost out of the league where 
that that team and next year, the year after that, 2019, 2020, when he was on the team for the full year, I mean, you want to talk about a crappy team. There was no offensive game plan. There were no offensive players. There was no ball movement. There was no fluidity. So that was the start of, I know, Mark, you, I know you've seen this because you're the one who sent it to me. The Reddit post by uh, Basketball Chess, where it was that Zach Lowe podcast with the, the video overview was just like two minutes of his time on the Knicks doing stuff where he's just, he's open for three, but he won't shoot it. Then a guy comes up and then he passes off to a turnover because at that point they've closed all the lanes. And or he drives, and then he picks the ball up instead of dunking, like we just talked about. He can do crazy windmill dunks. He can do amazing athletic feet still. He just wasn't doing it. And then the defense went downhill too because that team could not play defense. Um, you know, it was just sort of a self-fulfilling cycle of there's no ball movement. He's starting to get more timid, which is making him turn the ball over more. He's not moving the ball around because who the hell is he going to move the ball to? And then the, you know, Fizdale was like, he's going to be the fix. Then he wasn't the fix. So the minutes go down. The next year that he was there for the full year, he only played 34 games. Yeah. And he had like an injury or maybe two, but they weren't big injuries. And he only played 30, at least from what I can remember, he only played 34 games because that was Fizdale to Mike Miller. Oh, I didn't even remember that. Yeah, yeah, that's a piece of Knicks <laughs> trivia that, that I sadly know. And, I mean, that team was garbage. And that's when the Alfred Payton days started coming oh, on. They are like, oh, we're going to use a defense first point guard. And they didn't develop Frank even. Frank had the third most minutes for guards. DSG had fourth. So he just dropped. They gave him, quote, unquote, all the opportunity in the world for 20 games in that partial season. And it wasn't, it wasn't great. I'll be honest. There were some pretty exciting games. There were a lot of quote unquote exciting games where if you looked at the numbers, you go, Ooh, geez, that was, that wasn't the best. But that, that year where he started getting benched, he'd come back on the court and he didn't know what the hell to do. Cause there's no one to pass to. He's only getting seven minutes and it was just a couple turnovers, a couple bricks, put him on the bench for, Three and a half weeks. Yeah, and I'm looking at the stats. It's like 38% effective field goal percentage, turnovers, 1.7, 15 minutes per game. Like, <laughs> just like pretty much anything you look at is bad. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. His, yeah. his offensive BPM was, and his defensive BPM was negative. His offensive BPM was negative 5.2. Ooh. That's it's like big. <laughs> Sorry, uh, big men go and they practice with Akeem in the offseason. And he was like, I'm going to train with Michael Carter-Williams this offseason. <laughs> right. I mean, honestly, because at best he'd put up like a slight triple-double if he managed to get that many assists, which he didn't. I mean, it was the worst win shares of his life or his career. It was the worst true shooting percentage, except for the next year with the Knicks. I mean... It it was just a train wreck. It was a train wreck of a team, train wreck of a season. Everything was bad. Every player on that team was bad. And that's where that hesitancy that got him kind of out of the league and started getting him in that sporadic playing time, that's where that came from. A broken confidence because it was a broken-ass team. 
Yeah, I mean, I made the point on another podcast, like, playing for those Dallas teams and those New York teams, like, this wasn't the Knicks team that was actually, like, good and, like, or at least average now, right? Like, this was the Knicks team that was god-awful. Um, and same thing with the Mavericks. This was pre-Luka for the most part. Um, and I don't think he would have paired up very well with a Luka Doncic, even, <laughs> even, in, that, even in that small amount of time. So his yeah. three-point shooting, has it always been bad, Alex, or was it was it good at some point? Is it, has it just always not been a thing? It's it, at state. It wasn't a thing at every professional stop. It, it wasn't really a thing. It, it's never been the prettiest. It's never been the most effective. I'll be honest. He's supposed to be getting into the paint, driving, using his athleticism. That's where he thrives. He's and what he's doing with the Hornets right now is what he needs to do. Very low volume, high percentage. You know. There was a time, I and Tim even said it. He was like, yeah, he's passing up some open looks. Or one of you said it, and the other one said, well, it's because he's not very good. And, <laughs> you know, I can't be unbiased, but that's it's true. <laughs> I mean, he's he's taking shots that he knows he can make. I don't know what makes a difference in his mind between open look he can and open look he can't. But he, that's that's not his game. And that's, like you said, Mark, he, he never played on a winning team. Like, those were all garbage teams. Then he was on that Knicks team with Tibbs, and Tibbs was like, get out of here. I'm going to play Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock 38 minutes, and I'm going to throw Tajin over Mitch Robinson. So, I mean, after that, Detroit and <laughs> Portland, similar thing, where that year for Detroit was the tank for Cade year. Mm-hmm. And that the year with Portland was the dames out here. I guess we'll just play people with legs. So, I mean, those were awful teams and a similar thing with just you're not going to find success here. But there are definitely some underlying things that looked better. One of those, however, was definitely not three-point shooting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, right now he's shooting threes well for the Hornets. We talked about in the last podcast. We expect that to go back down. But uh, he's played fantastically for for the Hornets so far this year. Um, like he's kept us, we're three and five, which is not you know we're not world beaters out here. But uh, we don't have Lamelo Ball or Terry Rozier, and Dennis Smith Jr. has pretty much, I think, been the reason that the Hornets are not one and seven right now. Um, he's got twelve points per game. Like I said, forty two percent on threes. He's gained a lot of assists, highest assist total of his career, 6.4. And the biggest thing is definitely the defense, 2.3 steals per game right now. I mean, you can expect that to go down a little bit. But the defense he's playing on Steph Curry, the defense he's been playing just in general, night to night on the opposing point guard, has been really, really, really good. Um, So, yeah, what do you think has been working for him here in Charlotte? I think one of the big things for the defensive side, even though I know this is like a sort of a corny meatball take, he did put on that weight to go to the NFL. Mm. And it's clear and evident when he went to the Knicks, he said he cut a bunch of weight. I think he was 190, 195. Now he's listed at 205. So, I mean, the weight definitely helps him play like a slightly bigger guard because he's, he's not a small guard. He's not, he's definitely not a big guard, but I think that combined with the fact that it's made me gain a lot of confidence 
or both confidence and respect for Steve Clifford, the way everyone on that team, especially DSJ talks about him because I mean, something happened where he instilled a little bit more confidence in him to give him the minutes, give him the time. I know there's injuries, but you can always find another guy off the street. Like he was for them, or you could give him to book night or whatever. I mean, they could be going to other people, but something happened where he knew he could hope for something with this guy, this guy being my hero DSJ. And I mean, the, the assists, that's, that's not something that's unpredictable for him. He, he can move the ball around. He can, when he's getting into lanes, that's when he's effective. And that's what he's doing. He's getting into lanes. He's getting a bunch of good, not even just open layups. He's, he's able to create around the basket. Like last night, he had a couple, you know, under the hoop reverses. Not that that's like a, you know, that's not a world beater move. But if you would have seen him on the Knicks, he'd just be like, I, uh, oh, and then probably come down with the ball. So, I mean, he's finally bringing back some of those moves that made him a good player, finishing around the basket, cutting to the lane, which allows him to pass the ball around. And, you know, we've seen a little touch of that mid-range game. If he can, I know that's a taboo word in today's NBA, but if he can keep a little bit of that in there, keeps everyone from crashing in on him, not that the defense is probably going to prioritize the DSJ crash, but they might, they they, might. but they might, and yeah. I'm hoping they do. Um, but I think a little bit of shot making, shooting high percentage makes it that what you're talking about. He's shooting good from three. That'll probably regress, but he's taking good shots that he seems to know he can make. And just adding those two things in a small amount, allows him to do what he's amazing at, which there's a reason he was picked eighth, ninth overall, um, because he can rim run with the best of them for a guard. He can cut, he can get into the paint, he can finish, and he can move the ball around as long as that's happening. So this improved defense, there were some signs of that in his limited time and the advanced numbers with Detroit and the Trailblazers. And I think that that can continue, especially with him putting that weight on and his offense, I think it could be good. And I think with LaMelo coming back, I yeah. think. Hmm? You think you think LaMelo coming back will be good for him or? I, I think uh, there'll be growing pains. There'll definitely yeah. be growing pains. But I've seen a couple things where, you know, he's working off ball and he's cutting and he's getting passes to him at the rim. Who is better at that than LaMelo yeah. Ball? Like, he's amazing at that. And so if if he can work a little bit off ball, well, not a little bit, if he can share the time with LaMelo and be able to work effectively off ball with moves like that, that's enough to get a couple points, gain a little bit of attention. And when he's working with the second unit, we'll just have to see how that looks. You know, can't really predict that, but I think he'll show like he's shown as a point guard with the starting unit still with that second unit. And I think with LaMelo on the court, he can work well with that, with LaMelo's ability to feed people the ball near the rim. So I'm I'm very optimistic. I, le- I love the optimism. And, I mean, you heard of the last podcast. I said I hope he continues to get minutes. He's been, like, my favorite part of this season so far. But I, I'm definitely worried about him in terms of we have LaMelo out there and the ball is going to be in his hands so much more than it you know, than Dennis Smith Jr. is used to right now. You're talking about, like, in the past with him kind of fading to the background where he's not getting enough minutes or he's not, like, getting enough run. 
that situation is probably going to happen, at least at some point during the season, where he's getting 15 minutes a night or something. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can like continue this production, but in smaller spurts. Yeah, and on that train, he's also sadly the guy they have the least invested in. I know you've talked about what the roster crunch is once everyone comes back. And in the NBA, you know, the easiest guy to get rid of really in any sport is the guy who just came in the door. So I am scared about that, too, just in terms of value to the roster construction long term, definitely. But as long as he can continue this strangely instilled confidence he's regained and he's been able to continue good play or whatever his pace of play is in limited minutes. So I don't think the lesser minutes will make a huge difference. It's just, is he getting DNPs for two, three weeks at a time? Is he even still on the roster come, you know, February? Those are my big concerns as the number one DSJ stand. But I, I've seen a world where, you know, this could, this could work. He could be a very effective second unit guy. So I have uh, very cautious optimism about his future with the Hornets, especially with book night struggles. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think like there's a slight chance that he, I mean, it just depends on Clifford. We don't know how Clifford's going to be as a coach, but there's a slight chance that he kind of overtakes Cody Martin's minutes. It's possible. Um, Cody Martin, uh, another former. But say, yeah. <laughs> NC State great versus NC State great. Yeah. yeah. They're going to be battling each other, I think, for minutes a, a little bit because, I mean, Steve Clifford has, like, no bias coming into this. He has no, like, massive reason to be like, oh, Cody Martin, I have to play him. That, that is tonight. true. The yeah. new regime thing is always very true. I mean, Steve Clifford was playing Jason Maxiel over Cody Zeller. And, uh, I mean, Clifford got <laughs> about Dennis Smith Jr. every game. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Book Night, if anything, right now seems like the odd man out. Depending on when Cody Martin comes back. I know they mentioned on the broadcast that it seems as though LaMelo and Rozier are both closer to coming back than uh, Cody Martin. So we're going to get Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, lineups for at least at least a little bit longer where he's getting like solid minutes. Tim, you got any questions for um, Alex? Um, No, I would just say, was there ever a time where you were like, all right, I'm selling my stock? Ooh. Oh, li- literally never. <laughs> I have one other DSJ fan uh i'll call him the number two that i correspond with about strictly dsj i don't think i've ever texted him about anything except dsj he put up like a if i looked back it would probably be like a eight four and three with a steal on the pistons but in my mind it was like a triple double it was a five by five (laughs) and and I was just like, dude, he's so back. And I the same thing happened with the Trailblazers. And none of those stat lines are impressive looking back. So I don't know what game it was, to be honest. But I, I there's never been a time in my life, even when he wasn't on the ro- a roster to start, you know, when rosters were starting to fill out before he joined the Hornets. I was like, don't worry, he'll find a way. It's, it's all good. Never thought about it. When he joined the Hornets, were you excited? Or, oh, de- definitely. Yeah, I, I was. I was like, "Good, he's local. I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna see him in the stadium. I'm gonna yell very loud that I love him. Maybe one day he'll greet me in person. We'll become best friends. 
we'll start dunking together. <laughs> I can't dunk, so that would be just like magic. But I, I, I just no, never, Tim. But that's that's a good question. All right. Well, this has been great, Alex. Thank you for joining. Yep. Thank you very much. Love you guys. Hornets and heartbreak for life. Shout out to the supporters of the podcast. TC Cunningham, Isaac Black, Xavier Harvin, Dan Joseph, Brandon Garcia, and Austin Johnson. You can subscribe to us on Winnow. The link is in the show notes to get texts about the Hornets and about the podcast. Halftime reports and end of game recaps with stats from me and Tim. And if you want an even further exploration into the post-game recaps, you can catch me wax and poetic on si.com slash NBA slash Hornets. Cool. Yeah. Check out Tim's post-game articles. Last night's was very good. Um, and as always, rate, review, and subscribe. Tim, you're going to ask me in a second. So what was your movie recommendation of the week? Um, that would be Wes Anderson's masterpiece. Very hipster pick, but uh, the Royal Tenenbaums, led by Gene Hackman, Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson, Ben Stiller. Uh, it's an all-time classic, great family flick, and uh, really make you ask some questions. I haven't seen it, but I'll check it out, Tim. I'll check it out. All right, man. It's been real. It's been real. Be safe out there, Lucamark. Peace. Peace.